Welcome back to the Marshfield First Podcast. Each week, you can find our sermon audio right here. We hope this will encourage our church family and keep us all up to date on our different sermon series. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple or Spotify and share on social media with others. If you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Just a minute, I'm going to begin reading in verse 54. We're in the middle of a series titled Jesus Is. We're looking at who Jesus is through the life of Peter. Two weeks ago, we saw Peter, how God called him to be a disciple. Peter was a fisherman and he had been fishing all night. Jesus was teaching, and after he finished teaching, he told Peter, let's take your nets and let's go fishing. Peter said, we fished all night, and there's nothing out there. But I still can't get over this phrase that Peter said, but if you say so, but if you say so, and out they went fishing. And that, when they let, went out, they dropped their nets, and the, the, the catch was, was greater than they could have ever imagined, anything they've ever experienced, so much that the, the boats were about to collapse and sink because of the great catch. When they came back to shore, Peter wasn't concerned about this unbelievable catch. A fisherman not concerned with his unbelievable catch. There's not, that usually doesn't happen, does it? Usually a fisherman wants to tell you all about their big fish or something like that. But Peter, he saw Jesus differently and his life was changed. Jesus said, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And, Jesus, or, and Peter left his nets and followed after him. Last week we saw Jesus had been teaching and he, uh, the crowd was so large that uh, it was the end of the day and it was time for them to eat. And the disciples told Jesus, send them home so that they can go find something to eat. And Jesus told his disciples, you feed them. And they were like, we don't have anything but a few fish and a little bit of bread. And uh, Jesus said, well, pass it out. And we see the miracle of the, of the 5,000. After that, Jesus um, sent the disciples on across the lake uh, in the boat. Um, and the crowds he sent away, Jesus went and spent time with the Father uh, in prayer And then sometime between three and six in the morning, he went out and he was walking on the water. And as they approached the boat, the disciples were afraid. They thought it was a ghost or something. Jesus said, don't be afraid. It is I. And Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and he started walking on water until he saw the waves and the winds and the circumstances, and they distracted him. And and then he began to sink because he took his eyes off Jesus. And I I think we can all admit that sometimes the waves and the winds around us can become very distracting. And those circumstances can tempt us to take our eyes off Jesus. But Peter got out of the boat. And then when he began to sink, Jesus reached down his arm and lifted him up. Jesus was changing Peter's life. Today we see in, in our text that Jesus takes one of Peter's, probably his worst moment, and he is still changing Peter's life. Read with me in verse 54. 
of chapter 22 of Luke. God's word says this. They seized him. This was where Jesus was arrested. They seized him, led him away, and brought him to the high priest's house. Meanwhile, Peter was following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard, and they sat down together. And Peter sat among them. When a servant saw him sitting in the light and looked closely at him, she said, this man was with him too, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know what you're talking about. After a little while, someone else saw him and said, you're one of them. Man, I'm not. I am not, Peter said. About an hour later, another kept insisting, this man was certainly with him since he is also a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, the rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Here we see Peter at his worst moment. Aren't you glad the worst moment of your life hasn't been written down and recorded in a book that people read about for years and years and years to come? But we've all got those worst moments. Like those aren't things we want to share. Those aren't things we want to publicize. Here we find Peter at his worst moment. Some interesting things about Peter and Jesus and their relationship. No disciple was reproved by Jesus as much or as strongly as Peter. Over the course of their time together, no disciple had been uh, chastened or reproved by Jesus. No disciple more than Peter. And Peter was the only disciple that thought it necessary to bring reproof back to Jesus. No, Lord, not me. You can't do that. Don't wash my feet. No. Several times Peter decides to give instruction back to Jesus and tell him what he would not do. What's also interesting is that at times Jesus said sterner things to Peter than even that he did to Judas. And so we read these verses and we see a glimpse into Peter's worst moment. Denying even knowing Jesus. Not once, not twice, but three times. Today when we look at our scripture, we're going to learn that Jesus is forgiving. Jesus is forgiving. Doesn't matter how old you are, if you're a child or a teenager or an adult or a senior adult, sometimes we can forget that Jesus in his grace and mercy is forgiving. When we look at these verses, I think the the first thing I want to do is go back into what happened in verse 31 through 34. This is where Peter's denial was predicted. 
This is where Jesus tells Peter that you're going to deny me. Go back a few verses and read in verse 31. They're sitting at the Last Supper um, celebrating the Passover. The Bible says, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you... When you have turned back, that you will strengthen your brothers. Lord, he told them, I'm ready to go both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you deny me three times. Imagine being at the upper room that night. Jesus had been teaching his disciples that week. Um, earlier in the week, he had come riding in on a, on a donkey. Everybody was singing his praises, Hosanna, the palm branches, the coats on the road, um, the events of the week, and now they come to celebrate the Passover. We call it the Last Supper, but the disciples didn't know that at the time. They didn't realize what was happening, and they're sitting with Jesus, and um, you remember the story where Jesus got up and he washed their feet. And once again, Peter said, no, you, Lord, you can't wash my feet. Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, then I can, you can have no part of me. And so he says, don't just wash my feet, wash all of me. And Jesus washed their feet, every single one of them. Peter that would deny him, Judas that would betray him, he washed all of their feet. He taught and they talked about various things. He tells them that one of you are gonna betray me. And then he comes to Peter and says, Peter, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. Peter speaks, Lord, I'm, I'm, going, I'm willing to go to jail for you. I'm willing to go to prison for you. I'm even willing to die for you. Peter's denial is predicted. One of the things I want you to understand, just as Jesus knew that Peter was going to deny him, Jesus already knows about your sin as well. Just as Jesus knew how Peter was going to deny him and, and the sin that was going to come in Peter's life in, in that Jesus already knows about the sin in your life. He knows about the sin that you have committed. He knows about the sin that you will commit. And this is one of the beautiful things we're going to discover about Jesus. I can't share these verses enough. You know them, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would have life and have it more abundantly. And then John 3, 17. Jesus already knows about your sin. And it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. God didn't send his son in the world knowing all about your sin so that you, he could condemn you, so that he could point you out and say, sinner, 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 sinner. Maybe some of us, he would just shake our heads and go, hmm. He didn't come so that he could condemn. He came so that he could save the world through him. You know, sometimes we think we can hide our sin from God. Now, we wouldn't consciously say that. And you probably wouldn't, like if I were to ask that question, you probably wouldn't raise your hand in agreement with that. 
But oftentimes the way we live and the way we try to, to hide or the way we try to mask our sin, the way we try to cover it up and um, we try to make it seem as though we don't have any sin. And while we know that's not true, sometimes we're tempted to believe it. And the truth is you can hide your sin from me. You can hide your sin from people around you. But you can't hide sin from God. He already knows. The Bible says, while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. That's who he is. That's, that's his heart. We sang about the, the amazing grace. This is amazing grace. Jesus predicts Peter's denial already knowing it was going to happen. So what do we do if Jesus already knows our sin? Well, let's keep reading and see what happens to Peter. The verses we read in verse 54 through 60, we see where Peter denies knowing Jesus. Jesus was arrested and they led him away to be brought to the high priest's house. Peter was following at a distance and they lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and they sat down together and Peter was among them. When a servant saw him sitting in the light and looked closely at him, she said, this man was with him too. Imagine the events of the night. Jesus been, had been arrested and he wasn't just arrested by like two police officers. It wasn't just like a police officer and his partner uh, that came to arrest him. There were um, lots of guards that came to arrest Jesus. They came at night. They came with torches so they could see. And, and so um, you can imagine the intensity of the moment. And so Jesus had been taken away um, and arrested. His disciples scattered except for Peter. He followed closely behind. And so Jesus was in the, the chief priest's house where they were going to uh, begin this illegal trial and, and all of that's going on, and there's, there's a group of people out in the court, courtyard wanting to kind of hear and see what, what's happening. They're probably trying to listen in to see if they can hear anything, and they're also probably talking amongst themselves, you know, just sharing their, their own ideas or their own opinions of what's taking place. I, I know that because isn't that what we would do? Don't we like to share our opinions when we see things? And so they're in this courtyard and it's dark and they lit a fire uh, probably to stay warm and so they could see. And the Bible says that as they were there in the courtyard, there was a young woman who saw him. I believe she noticed him and she looked at him for a little while before she spoke up. And in that courtyard, she'd probably been looking at him like, I know him from somewhere. Have you ever been someplace and you see somebody? You're like, I know them from somewhere. Where, where have I seen them? And you're trying to place them. Do I know them from church? Do I know them from work? Do I know them from years and years? And like, I, I think she saw him and she recognized him and she thought about it for a little while. And then she finally spoke up and she said, he's one of them. He, he was with him. And Peter, to this servant girl, he denies it. Says, that wasn't me. You don't know what you're talking about. The Bible then says a little bit later, another person recognizes him and says, you were with him. He says, man, I, it wasn't me. I don't know what you're talking about. Then the Bible says over an hour later, 
someone else recognizes him and says, you were with him. You're one of them. You're a Galilean. And Jesus said, no, it was not me. I don't know what you're talking about. And the scripture says immediately when he denies him the third time that the rooster crows. Peter denies knowing Jesus three times. I think what intensifies Peter's actions here is that he denied him three separate times. But there were spans of time in between. It wasn't like he just denied him once three times. It wasn't just like with, just with the servant girl where she said, I saw him, you were with him. No, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. But Peter denies knowing Jesus three times over a span of time. So after he denied knowing Jesus the first time, there was time that elapsed. And then after the second time, it says over an hour elapsed. And he sat there and recognizing his denial. I think what's sad is Peter could have realized and corrected his mistake after the first denial. Or he could have at least got up and left after the first denial. But three times he denies knowing Jesus, becoming the darkest and the most pivotal moment of his life. Verse 61 and 62, we find Peter repents. Peter turns to, to Jesus. Look what happens in verse 61. Immediately after the rooster crowed, then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. Now, we don't have any roosters that crow in our neighborhood, and um, for that I am thankful. And I haven't been around many roosters, but when we lived in South Carolina, um, their college football team is the roosters. They call them the Gamecocks. Um, but in their, at their football games, they have the most annoying rooster crow that you could ever hear, and it is turned on full blast. And they play it over and over and over. I should have brought a sample of it for you. And if their team's doing good and your team is not, and you're feeling bad about your team, and then you just keep hearing this rooster crowing over and over and over, it can become echoing in your heart and in your mind, and you're just like, make it stop. I imagine when Peter heard the rooster crow, it had an echoing and haunting effect. Verse 61, after the rooster crowed, the Bible says that Jesus turned and looked at him. He turned and looked at Peter. 
and they saw one another. Their eyes met. The look after Peter had denied knowing him Jesus still looks at him with compassion and affection. Here was Peter, just denied knowing, even knowing Jesus three times. When the rooster crows, Jesus turns and makes eye contact with Peter. And Peter makes eye contact with Jesus And his heart broke with repentance. Peter's words might have denied knowing Jesus, but if the crowd around in the courtyard could see the look that Jesus gave to Peter, they would know that Peter not only knew Jesus but that Peter was deeply loved by Jesus. Verse 61, it says, he remembered Jesus' words from the upper room with the look that Jesus had in Peter's eyes. Peter was broken. And at the same time, he was loved He remembered the words that Jesus spoke to him. Don't you wish you could remember the words of Jesus before you sin? Like if if Peter could go back and replay that, and when he's sitting in the courtyard that night warming himself, and um, if he could remember the words of Jesus, Peter, you're going to deny me three times, and, and in that moment, do something about it. Change behavior. To, to change course, to do something different. I think most of us, when after we sin, we like, I wish I hadn't have done that. I, I don't know why I did that. So how do we try to prevent forgetting the words of Jesus? Or, or how do we remember the words of Jesus before we follow the steps of sin? I think the first you have to gaze at Jesus often in the scriptures. You have to look at who Jesus is in the scriptures. And, and when you read about him, your heart is changed by him. I think the more we read about the life of Jesus, the more as followers we're pulled to want to uh, 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 be like him. We have to gaze into the scriptures at Jesus You have to spend time throughout your day recognizing his lordship over your life. You see, our lordship with Jesus wasn't a one-time decision that we made at the point of salvation. Lordship is a a daily commitment, a moment-by-moment commitment to surrender underneath the lordship that Jesus is the boss of our life. And we have to continually throughout our day surrender to the lordship of Christ. What that means is there's times when you don't get to do what you want to do. You don't get to say what you want to say. Because of the calling that Jesus has on our life. We have to reflect on his lordship in our life. 
throughout each day. You have to pray first. You have to pray first. And then you need others in your life for a checkup. You need people in your life who can really check up on you. I'm not talking about the checkup like, hey, how's your day going? Oh, fine, busy. I'm talking about the people who can stop you for a moment and say, how are things going? And you have enough of a relationship over time that's been invested where you can say, you know what? I'm struggling. My heart's heavy. I'm hurting. I'm fighting temptation. You gotta have people in your life that can help with the checkup. Those are some simple ways, or those are some ways that we can try to prevent forgetting about Jesus and falling into sin. But the beautiful thing that happens is in verse 62. Verse 62. After Jesus looks at Peter, and they have this look into each other's eyes, the Bible says that he went out and he wept bitterly. Peter repents. Peter recognizes his sin and he's broken by it. And he goes out and repents and he, and he thinks, um, I imagine as he went out and wept bitterly, he felt like his life was completely over. Like he, he can't receive forgiveness for what he did. Like there's no way. It's over. And he weeps bitterly. One of the things that I can tell you over the years in talking with people is there are people who have had a past, who have had sin, and we all have sin, but for whatever reason in their mind, they've, re they've confessed and they've repented. They know what the Bible says about God's forgiveness, but they just think, well, God can't forgive me, not for this. And that keeps coming back. Like even though you're forgiven, even though the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, that if you, if you confess your sins, you, that he is faithful and just to forgive you. There are times when there are things that we've done in our past that we think, Jesus can't forgive that. But the truth is, according to God's word, if you've confessed and you've repented, that he's forgiven you. Yet some of us walk around carrying that and we can't accept the forgiveness that Jesus gives. Someone says, hey, would you like to help do such and such? You think, I would like to, but I can't because they don't know what I've really done. Maybe going on a mission trip. Well, I'd like to go, but I, I can't because I have this in my past. Or you can fill in the blank. And I want you to know today, if that is you, the Bible doesn't put limits on how big a sin has to be. 
before the forgiveness doesn't come. The thief on the cross I read about, hanging on the cross, he didn't get a chance to do anything good with his belief in Jesus. Yet Jesus in his grace looked at him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus is forgiving. But it comes after Peter's repentance. When you read the end of John's gospel, we find that Jesus and Peter have an encounter after this. I'm pretty confident that Peter felt like his life as a disciple of Jesus was over. He was pretty much useless. And yet Jesus comes to him. He says, do you love me? Of course I do. Do you love me? You know I do. A third time he asked him, do you love me? Yes, Lord. And Jesus reinstates Peter with his love and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. And he says, feed my sheep. We pick up the story in the next two weeks and we see some of the things that God used Peter to do in the book of Acts. Some unbelievable things. I'm so thankful that Peter was able to recognize the forgiveness of Jesus and that he could still be used for the gospel. What started two weeks ago with the great miraculous catch of fish in a life of ministry. Last week as Peter trusted Jesus enough to get out of the boat, we see the grace of Jesus that even though Peter denied knowing him, Jesus is forgiving. Jesus extends forgiveness through his grace. This morning I want you to know if you've never committed your life to Christ, that you are separated from God because of your sin. He is a holy God and sin separates us from God. That separation can only be made whole, be made right because of the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. If you've never given your life to Jesus, and maybe you're thinking, well, I would like to, but he could never forgive me because of all of these years and years and years of things that I've done. I just want you to know, Jesus is forgiving. You can come to him, and you can have a personal relationship with him. He can become the Lord of your life if you will confess and repent and turn to him. If you're a follower of Christ this morning and you've been holding on to some of these sins of your past, you don't think God can use you because, I want you to know if you've confessed with your mouth, he is faithful and just to forgive you. And you can be restored into relationship with him because Jesus is forgiving. Thanks for listening this week. 
If God is leading you to next steps in your relationship with Him, please reach out to us at marshfieldfirst.org.